what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.tv. My name is Alan, and with me, as always, is Chris. Hello, Podcast Land. How are you? I'm going to answer for Podcast Land and say I'm doing pretty good. How are you, Chris? I'm doing really well. Good. Looking forward to uh, the film festival that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Is that coming up uh, soon? Yes. Okay. We might. We have some information we can share about the film festival a little bit later in the episode. Absolutely. Excellent. The Foot Candle Film Festival. Stay tuned. We will tell you more about it as we get through the show. But first, let's get to our main topics at hand here on Foot Candle Films. We review films, discuss films. We throw in a little movie news, and we also end the show with a recommendation of something we think you ought to check out. On today's show, we have two films we will be reviewing. One is the film Maudie, starring Sally Hawkins and uh, Mr. Ethan Hawke. And then we'll also follow that up with a discussion of the film Colossal, starring Anne Hathaway. Then we'll move into some movie news. I think we have two or three news items to share and discuss. And then both Chris and I will share a recommendation of a film we think is worth checking out or may just be something we're curious for people to check out because I'm really anxious to hear feedback on it. And okay. again, I'm teasing. This is what we do in podcasts is we're supposed to tease up front. So right. people want to stay through the rest of the episode and understand what we're teasing. I mean, so my recommendation, every word that comes out of our mouth is like a golden nugget. So I don't <laughs> know right. why anyone. Yes, right. it is. And our, my recommendation, there's a little bit of a controversy around my recommendation. Let me just put it that way. Ooh. So I'm anxious to hear people's thoughts when we get to that one. But first, Chris, before we all that other fun stuff, let's get to the first fun thing we have to do, which is review a movie. And that is, as I said earlier, it's the film Maudie. Hello there, Gerald. Sister. <laughs> I sold the house. Our house? Maud, Mom left it to me. I'd look after it. You can't look after yourself. I'd get a job or something. A job? A job doing what? I don't know. Thinking about hiring a woman to help around the house. I want to put up a sign, you know, a Looking for a housemaid. I'm Maud. Maudie is a film that we just recently showed at our film society in recent weeks. And Sally Hawkins plays the lead. She plays Maud Lewis. Maud Lewis is based on a true story of a true Maud Lewis character, uh, an arthritic Nova Scotia woman who works as a housekeeper. But along the way, she's honing her skills to become an artist. And eventually, she becomes a fairly beloved figure in the community. Her employer and eventual husband is played by Ethan Hawke. His name's Everett, so Everett Lewis. The film is written by Sherry Wright and directed by Aisling Walsh. Chris, we showed this film, and, and I, I saw the film only one time. Normally, at the Foot Candle screenings, I'm there for both nights. We have right. two nights at the screening. And I only saw this film the first night. I... Did not was out of town. Did not get to see it the second night. Um, but I'm anxious to hear your thoughts, mainly because this film. I think I may have said to you <laughs> after I saw the film, and you asked me what I thought because oh, it's I just remember. a quick little note. I remember. I remember saying that I thought it was probably one of the most romantic movies I've seen in a really long time. Yeah. 
Now, people who have seen the movie may not agree on the surface with that because the relationship we explore, Maud, uh, obviously is a very she's a very unique character with a very uh, strong personality, but also at the same time, um, she's very focused on on wanting to do what she wants to do with her art as well. Everett, a very hard man, a very tough man, and watching the two of them clash a whole lot more in the first half of the film start to come to some cooperation later in the film. I made the comment that I thought it was an incredibly romantic film, even though people could probably look at it and say, I didn't see one really romantic scene in the whole film. Mm. I want to turn it to you, kind of starting with that, the relationship. I, I, that's what I really want to start with on this film, talking about the relationship and the way these two actors played their roles with one another. How did you think the movie did in portraying this relationship between these two main characters? Okay. I'm going to give a end of the review tease. Okay. Because in addition to telling me that, which I'll address here in a second, you also said one word as far as something that you had a question for me about. Oh, yes. And it was no, haircut. 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 Okay. So put that on the back burner. There okay, again, we're doing true. a lot of teases. I forgot about this the haircut episode. tease, but yes, there was a haircut tease. Okay. okay. So I, I can see what you're saying about how especially for a guy, I could see how this is a romantic movie, you know, and I could see how some people would be like, really? And could take issue that, but I'm on the same page with you. Okay, great. Um, I agree that, you know, I don't like, you know, typically run out to the theater around Valentine's day and try to see a romantic comedy or it's just, you know, not made for me and not really my bag or whatever. But I agree because the relationship between these two was very felt, very Mm -hmm. authentic realistic it wasn't like they had a meet cute in a grocery store and the next thing you know they're like making jokes and laughing at one another and it's all you know sunshine roses and daydreams it was they came from kind of you know harsh backgrounds uh he they weren't very wealthy the entire time she was an artist didn't appear that way they struggled and you mentioned that she had um arthritis really debilitating Mm -hmm. arthritis and you see her struggle with that but what's so awesome about this film is they don't ram that down your mm-hmm. throat about her disability, basically, because yeah. it did end up really crippling her. In um, fact, I, I mean, I'm really surprised at how much they downplayed the illness. Um, you know, you know, movies like this. And I'm thinking of uh, the movie, the um, oh, gosh, and I'm drawing a blank. Is it the theory of everything? Yes. You know, where you're playing someone with with Hawkins, a, a, yeah. a physical handicap. And sure. I almost felt like that became so much the thrust of the movie is how is he going to deal with this handicap? Here, she has a very debilitating handicap as well that gets progressively worse. We're watching it get worse, but it doesn't become this whole thing where the whole movie is about her wrestling with it. She's just taking it in stride. It's like, this is who I am. This is what I've and got. It, I'm going to keep moving. And such a such an interesting performance of Sally Hawkins that you can kind of see it you know, slowly, you know, continue to take a toll. But like you're saying, it never disappears. It's not like they just forget about it and start focusing on how her art takes off or how the room, you know, how the romance changes or how the relationship, I should say, changes Mm -hmm. between her and her husband. No, it's always there. It's always present, but it's not. And it's, it's in your face without being in your face. So it's a really nice kind of subtle treatment of Mm -hmm. this idea of her, her um, disability and illness. I, I also liked that they were able to go between, you know, there were, she was, you said she was a very strong individual. 
and I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sally Hawkins, and I give her credit, and I guess she's taking you know the true story of this lady, so she was taking inspiration, but from you know who this person really was, she was strong, but there again, kind of like her um, disability, she was strong, but not an in your face strong. Oh no, which no. is a very you know, for an actor to portray, like, how can, you know, this person can't be strong by, like, making a lot of really important decisions and yelling and, you know, getting in people's faces. No, but you can just tell that she's a very strong person. So that, you know, the acting behind that, I thought, was, was really well, well especially, done. You know, and, and this is down to the story side. I mean, there there is a point, maybe midway through the movie or, or a third of the way through the movie, where you wonder how in the world these two could even be together. Sure. Because there's a couple scenes. I mean, a couple scenes are a little harrowing of just how they work towards each other. Yeah. And I think the strength came from uh, on both sides, just figuring out how to make this work, that they both wanted to make this work. They were both uncomfortable with it working, but they wanted to make it work and they did. Um, There were some great dialogue scenes late in the film. Very atypical in a romance type movie. True. But some great conversations where just the two of them are just talking like real people about mm-hmm. their relationship. They had a little bit of a time away from each other and just how they kind of felt about during that time away. You're saying when they're like sitting on a porch swing or yeah. something? Yeah. Did it get a little dusty, Alan? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> in the theater. I mean, it was just such a well written scene, well acted scene. And I, not I sugary really or no. not like, yeah, you felt like. The emotions were completely earned yeah. at that point that they were. And again, not to give any more details away than necessary, but there's also a scene towards the very end of the movie with her aunt. Uh, no, a little further beyond okay. that. Okay. Um, taking place in a hospital again. I'm trying to spoil. Not saying who or anything, but just in a hospital scene. I thought was just extremely well done with almost no dialogue being spoken. Mm. Okay. Just we really got a good sense of what these two people meant to each other at the end of the day. Gotcha. And. Yes, so I, I'm I'm saying I think it was a really really good film, a I, very surprising film. Chris, your assessment? Yeah, I, I agree. I'm on the same page with you as well. And I was another dramatic moment that I didn't feel like was overplayed. And it's one of those instances we've mentioned in the past where, you know, now you're probably going to end up seeing this film online or mm-hmm. you know Netflix, you yeah. know, rental Redbox or whatever. But the benefit of seeing this in the theater was the scene that I'm not going to go into great detail about, but she goes back to see her aunt who kind of was a caretaker for her for a while. And they have this little bit of a conversation and something is revealed Mm -hmm. and watching that. And it was like, there were a couple things that were kind of revealed (laughs) Um, and hearing, hearing the audience kind of gasp, not (laughs) once, but twice. Like it was awesome. You know, just hear that kind of group reaction. Cause I myself was like, Oh, interesting. You know, and then <laughs> but it also showed everybody's locked in this, oh, to this character. Absolutely. And I think it was just when you hear some of the revealed information, it, it upsets you on a visceral level because you've gotten to care so much about this, this, this person we're following. Right. So that was a well done scene, but also a very tough scene. Sure. What I admire. And again, I, it shouldn't even be a film like this. There's really spoilers, but I do think part of the enjoyment of the film is understanding how the character, how the story flows. So I don't want to give anything away. Well, you know, it's not a spoiler type movie that you normally think of, but sure. there are elements of the story. I think is important for people not to know going into it. You well, know? and I think this is a kind of a rare instance. I knew nothing about this person. Yeah. I knew nothing about Maude Lewis or the movies called Maudie. Cause that was the nickname 
I think Everett gave her, but I knew nothing about mm-hmm. her. And so many biography movies, you know, they, you already know, like, you know, Johnny Cash, Ray Charles, all those movies that come out, you already know all the people. So yeah, there's nothing you can really spoil about. Well, but with this, like you're saying, I'm glad we are dancing around because it was a joy to kind of learn about this really yeah, cool I person agree. that I never knew existed. I completely so, agree. So yeah, it's, well, there was a scene following the, the revelation that you were describing a scene that basically is a follow-up, the next okay. action taken, where the filmmakers had a choice. They could have gone down a very predictable, sentimental route mm-hmm. with a reunion of sorts. Gotcha. And whether that actually happened, would have happened or not in real life, you know, people with biographies will sometimes over-dramatize certain elements just to make it a better movie. I felt like that's where they were going to go, and I thought, oh, I don't, I kind of don't want that to happen. And they didn't go there. And I was actually really, really happy that they had restraint. And they actually just left it as, okay, that's that's how we're going to play this scene out. This is what she's going to experience. And now we're done. Sure. Now she can go back to her life. And that was really, really well done. I just thought it was really brave. But it was also probably more realistic to how those things would have happened. Sure. I think in that situation. So, yeah. For such, you know, this is a smaller, more independent film. You mentioned the director. This is her, I believe, first major picture. Okay. Uh, she'd done some TV work, maybe TV movies, but I think this is her first major picture. Sure. She does have two big name actors, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, relatively, probably smaller budget. I was really impressed with the cinematography in the movie. Yeah. Granted, mm-hmm. it's in, you know, Nova Scotia, so it's a really beautiful area, not hard to get, you know, mm-hmm. some nice scenery in there. But the thing that I also paid attention to with the cinematography was there was a lot of use of windows. Mm-hmm. And at first, I thought it was just kind of viewing Everett through a dirty window because he's kind of a broken man at the beginning and, you know, a curmudgeon kind of mm-hmm. keeps to himself. And then you see Maud differently through like a cleaner window. And there's like some different juxtapositions there. There's some car windows that are used. And then over time, they shoot her in the house and then her painting on the windows of the Mm -hmm. house. And there's all this like imagery and final shot of the film also includes a window. And it's just the care that that would take and the cinema. I just, I really appreciate that added bonus for, you know, independent film where they could have just kind of told the story and let that be that because, you know, budgetary constraints. But I feel like there was a lot of care taken to, you know, kick this up a notch. So completely. That was nice. I will say I thought Sally Hawkins was excellent. She was. was. Very, very good. I've always liked her. I think, I mean, I think this is her showiest role, even though it's not a showy role, but I think it's just, it's one of her best. It's a showcase role. That's a good way. Yeah, it's It's it's, a showcase. It's a showcase for her because she is amazing in it. She gets to use humor. She gets some some light moments. She gets some darker moments. Absolutely. Um, She gets a good range of, of emotions and physicality throughout the role as well. I thought she's really good. It's actually got me more excited than I already was for the shape of water, the Gil, uh, the del Toro film that she's in. Okay. Reviews are starting to come in and I'm not reading the reviews other than just seeing the title. <laughs> and it sounds like people are really digging this film critics already, but so I'm excited. Okay. But mainly because I think now that she's the star of the film and she's playing someone who's deaf. So it's like, okay, so she's got another little acting challenge to play, to put in her way there. But I, and I think, you know, based on, you know, okay, deaf, that's a thing that, you know, to communicate that on screen without being over the top, mm-hmm. having seen her do this, 
Absolutely. Please I have no that. doubt that she can do it and communicate the right emotion and the right complications that come with being deaf, mm-hmm. but not, you know, it just, I, I think she's got, she'll, I have no doubt that she can do it and <laughs> the, do it amazingly. This won't be Al Pacino's sin of a woman playing <laughs> deaf or, or blind, you know, this right. will be where he just kind of plays it for right. a, lot of, a lot of over the top laughs or anything like that. I mean, this is, this is going to be a good performance. I'm, yeah. I'm excited. I know I'm speculating about a film that we haven't seen yet, but I'm, oh. I just, I really, after seeing this performance in Maudie, I'm really excited to see her take on her next big role. Um, Ethan Hawk, Ethan Hawk. Okay. So here's my thing. I think Ethan Hawk was really good in this movie. I, he I think too. he was a good actor and he played the role that he was given the best he could possibly play it. And it was good. Agreed. I do think he was miscast. I would also agree. I, I think that he was not the right person for this role. He comes across younger than I think we needed to see this character be. Agreed. He came we, across a little more handsome than I think we ought to see this character be. Also agreed. Um, but otherwise, I mean, but it's Ethan Hawke. If he, Ethan Hawke was hired and said, you're to play this old curmudgeon guy who is kind of just grumpy and all on his own and ornery and all that. He did it. Oh, he, yeah. But the whole time I'm still watching saying, just, Dude, we no. needed, we needed a John Hawks or somebody that could play, play the grumpy or curmudgeon without it. He's still a good looking guy. Ethan Hawk is. I sure. mean, that's this thing that just, you can't make him totally ugly. It'd be like, prime to, I mean, not quite as bad, but it'd be like putting George Clooney in the role. Right. It just, <laughs> it just doesn't work, but I'm not faulting Ethan Hawke because no, I no. think he did the no. best job. It's one of the better things I've seen him do and I've seen him do a lot of good things oh, in the last few years. Yeah, I, I really like We talked him. about the, uh, the, the baseball movie that he was in mm-hmm. um, that I'm drawing the blank on now. now. Names are just escaping me today. But regardless of whatever the name of the film was, he was really good in it. Right. He's done some amazing work in the last few years. He's in, he's done the movies for the Phenom. Richard the Phenom. Phenom. Yeah, yeah, Richard sorry. Linklater. He's done the yeah. before movies. You know, he was really good in those. Yeah, the Phenom, the baseball movie, he was good in that. Um, mm. Kind of an odd role, but that predestination yeah. movie that we oh, saw, yeah, sure, he was really good in that. Good. You know, and then there's Boyhood. Yeah, I mean, he is so solid. So not a knock on Ethan Hawke, just, hey, Maybe he was miscast, but he does a good job. I think, honestly, even though I said two big names, Sally Hawkins is obviously an up and comer. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, she's been around for a while. She's done really good work, but it's not like it's Emma Stone. You know, it's like you know. So she, I think, it was probably a you know a we funding a thing. Name. We need a bigger name, so let's put Ethan Hawke there. Yeah. So yeah, I think I still just think there could have been some other options. I, sure, I just sure. and maybe it's Ethan Hawke really wanted to play this role. Could really be. went after it. Could be. And again, I, I could understand why because it's a good meaty role to, to jump into. It's a it's a fun one to play. I'm sure, but um, I just I just I just felt like he was not cast correctly. That's sure. just you know more of a casting decision, a production decision, not an acting decision, which I thought he was good in. So. Um, Let's let's uh, <laughs> let's get to haircut. Yeah. So I, I, I gave you the one word review. I said, OK, just to point out one thing, haircut, because there was a lengthy discussion after our film review discuss, uh, of the screening of this with our film society members about Ethan Hawke and the wardrobe mainly slash makeup slash hair that he had in the film, because Ethan Hawke, again, is a good looking, He's a guy. handsome dude. He's a handsome guy. Sure. If you're going to make somebody like him not look as handsome, don't give him a haircut that honestly looks like a very stylish, almost like a boy band haircut. 
<laughs> it just doesn't work. So yeah. that was a big complaint for us at the discussion afterwards is it's already bad enough that we're trying to forget that Ethan Hawke is like this, this handsome younger guy uh, playing this older curmudgeon. But then you give him a haircut that just doesn't seem to fit the role at all. It's like if he had been buzz cut hair or something or just real scraggly looking hair, I, it might have helped his his it might have helped that whole typecast or the sure. miscasting thing I was complaining about. Sure. But you put that hair with it's just looks like it's kind of a little bit styled and cut right. It's like now, Grant, it I think work. that was a that was a wedding scene, wasn't it? Or you just no, I'm talking about the whole film. Whole I mean, film. I'm talking about okay. his hair throughout the whole film. I thought it was really I thought his hair was more miscast than <laughs> Ethan Hawke was. <laughs> so. I'd. I definitely saw at some points where it just yeah, didn't work. It, it didn't work. His it's almost did. like he had the haircut for another film he was working well, on. And, that and could they're be. like, well, we can't do anything about it. We can't change it. He's going to have to go with what he's got. And we don't want to do a wig or we don't want to do a bald cap or whatever. It just, it just took it, it for a little couple moments. It took me out of the film. I can it, see that. Sally Hawkins. I completely forgot who Sally Hawkins was. Sure. 20 minutes into this film. Ethan Hawke, I still knew it was Ethan Hawke most of the film. So that, that's, that's my one misgiving of the film. I really don't have any other misgivings. I thought otherwise it was a, great, it was a quiet movie. Mm-hmm. They, didn't, they didn't play. I don't remember there being much orchestration music at all. Right. Which a movie like this, a biography that's got some real emotional moments, you would think they'd swell in the orchestra and play it up. They really didn't. It was a very quiet movie. They left it to the audience to figure out how they want to re- respond to these things. Right. And uh, I thought it was extremely well done. I, extremely I, well done. I agree. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Let's just end the show now on a super positive note. <laughs> but okay. no, we're actually going to go to another film. May or may not be positive. Again, we're teasing. I don't know. I have no idea what Chris thinks about this next film. But we are going to move into the next review, which is the film Colossal. I think I'm in shock. A giant monster just materialized over soul. That happened like nine hours ago. You're just hearing about this. What have you been doing all day? You ever notice how it just keeps destroying everything in its path, but it never looks down? It's like it's being operated by remote control. Colossal's basic storyline is as the following. Gloria is an out-of-work party girl forced to leave her life in New York City and move back home. She then sees news reports that a giant creature is destroying the city of Seoul, and she somehow comes to realize that, you know what? I think my actions, my movements, are somehow informing the movements of this creature that's kind of pulling a Godzilla in Seoul as opposed to Tokyo or something. Um, kind of a strange idea for a movie, even stranger, maybe the fact that Anne Hathaway is the the lead in this playing Gloria. Um, she's joined by Jason Sudeikis actually from uh, Saturday night live. Right. Um, but the best thing about it to me of this movie is the director's name is Nacho Villalando, <laughs> which I just love saying. And now you got your chance to say it. Yes. So, <laughs> so now I've gotten to say it. Um, Alan, you know, it sounds like this is kind of an oddball film. I, this may be your first exposure to Mr. Nacho. Um, it is. I got to see, and I've recommended it on the show, so I don't remember how long ago, many episodes ago, mm-hmm. um, one of his films called Time Crimes, which is a time oh, travel thing. Right. Um, it was in Spanish, so okay. you, know, you got the subtitles there. 
but I really liked it. Um, so this was my second exposure to him as your first exposure to Mr. Nacho Villando. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about the movie? Do you, would you be interested in seeing anything else from Nacho? Um, I would be interested in seeing some of his other work. I am, I'm really trying to decide how I feel about this film. Excellent. Excellent. I'm excited now that we're going to review okay. this because I loved everything about this film. Okay. Loved it, loved it. Actually, when I finished watching it last night, um, my wife was sitting next to me and I said, I can't wait to review this. I hope Alan hates it. <laughs> no, I, I definitely don't hate it. Okay. It's one of those films, Chris, where at the end of the film, I'm like, I love so much of this movie. But why did it not, as a complete package, work for me? And, you know, interestingly enough, I felt the same way after this film that I did after something like Prometheus. I got it, and I was like, I love this film. It's one of my favorites of this year. It's one of those... I felt that that same way after Colossal. Let's let's, let's dig into some reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Because I I came up with a long list of things I liked. Oh, good. And some of the things I loved about it. Okay. But and there's a very very short list of dislikes. Okay. So it's like, but my number one dislike is why didn't it work for me? <laughs> well, it's that, like it's more of an open-ended question. So here here's the thing with this film. Okay. I will say right away that I loved about it is that it was not at all what I expected. From and, that even that description, you're oh, kind of like, oh, okay. Well, it got to the point where the movie had been going on for 30 minutes, and at the 30 minute mark, I'm thinking to myself. I feel like I've seen the whole story I was expecting to see. Uh, yeah. But there's still an hour and a half left of this movie. <laughs> and at an hour point, something pretty major happens. Yes, it does. And I could see how some people who may be completely turned off by this film would say, I was with it. And then at that hour point, they felt like it was it didn't work for them or they didn't like where the movie went. But that just took it to a completely different place for me. And that's what made it so amazing. And for the rest of the movie, I was like, wow, I can't believe they're doing this. And it was, it was really, really, really good Um, to me. I will say right off the bat, regardless of anything I say critical about the film or confusion about my, my emotions on it, I have to completely applaud any original screenplay like this. Well, we need more screenplays like this because I'm sorry. I, I, I wish I had never even seen a trailer for this I film know. or anything. If I had gone to this film with absolutely no knowledge and the ride it takes you on for an hour, almost two hours, I, I just, I'm, I was so thrilled to have a film that I didn't know where it was going. And I didn't really know until the end what it was really trying to say. Yeah. So I love it for that. Actually, and okay. I'll go ahead and say, listeners, if you like truly original films and you are one of those people that avoid previews and we try not to spoil things anyway, but it, this film is so precious because yeah, even though I'd seen a trailer, I was still completely surprised by stuff. You know, we said we put out golden nuggets, skip ahead. We're not going to spoil anything, but skip ahead like five or 10 minutes if you want, just so you yeah, really so you don't really, know. I agree. This is not one you want to read or about listen to anything film. about it. So let me, let me hit a couple things and I want to hear like, sure. what really stood out for you as your likes on it. And sure. then I will have some questions. Okay. So, yes, screenplay, the playing with expectations. Um, this is branded as a comedy movie in IMDb. Right. Which I think is pretty amazing because... Action comedy. It's not. Right. Um, definitely in the second half, it's not a comedy. Right. Um, and I, I admire the fact that it's willing to change gears like it did. Mm-hmm. And I, th- um, I felt like the way it did change gears 
you know, like we kind of hinted at, it it changed gears, well, and we'll, I felt like the clutch, we'll clutch was fully minute. engaged, we'll and I didn't have any problem. Like the changing of gears was completely fluid right. for me. I, I may I may disagree with you a little bit on that, okay. but we'll get to that in a moment. Fair enough. Um, I thought Anne Hathaway was really good. You know, yeah. I did too, and yeah. I've always thought she was a good actress. But you know, if you ask me, what's your favorite Anne Hathaway movie prior to this? Rachel getting married. I, yeah, I like that movie okay, yeah. but I'm not like it's just doesn't you know she's not one of my fa- I think she's I think she's a good actress, okay. but I just don't have like a favorite performance or something that comes to mind. However, mm-hmm. granted, this movie is more in my wheelhouse because it is completely original. Yeah. Seems to come from out of nowhere, plays with expectations, does have a little bit of sci-fi going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's right in my wheelhouse. So I guess it helps. But yeah, until further notice. My favorite Anne Hathaway performance is Gloria in Colossal. Absolutely. Okay. And no, I know, thought she was really good. It was a solid performance. I'd also like to say um, Jason Sudeikis. I remember him on Saturday Night Live, but not yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, never really thought much of him one way or the other. Unfortunately, I saw him in Masterminds, yeah. um, but I do not blame that movie on him or Zach sure. Galifianakis. Or, you know, um, but wow. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about Mr. Sudeikis Uh-oh. in a little bit. Uh-oh. No, 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 not necessarily bad. Just, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm just, I got to wrestle with some things there. Okay. Um, the other, the two more things I'll say sure. I liked, and I want to hear more from you. Um, I really like the themes. It was working into the story. Okay. Um, we have alcoholism. Yes. As a addiction, addiction. Alcoholism. Yep. We have female empowerment. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Female empowerment in male-dominated relationships. Yes. Um, it was some really great themes and it abusive won't... relationships. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, we can go there. It's, it, it's, it's some really powerful themes playing with, mm-hmm. and it wasn't playing with them. So on the nose either. It's not like Gloria had a best friend to sit down and say, Oh, I'm, let me spell I, out I need to, you. to tell I'm, I'm so, you know, this is what's going on wrong with me. I need help, whatever. No, it's like, you're starting to see these themes develop as the film goes along. Sure. And I will say, I love the way it ended. And I absolutely love the last shot. Wow. That's okay. So I that's, I got a lot of likes. My, my, my likes. notes yeah. don't say like, you know, I love the way it ended, but I did love it because you know, I <laughs> love the entire film, but I have underlined in my notes loved with like four underlines last shot of film. It was, it was great. Yeah. I mean, it was just, just so it was both great. funny, but also kind of, kind of frightening. I mean, right. just, it had a lot of emotions going on with one simple, like motion, like, Facial reaction and motion. It, it was just, it was great. And it, Last shot was perfect. And ends it on not so much of a messagey note, no. but it is messagey in a way. It, like it is because <laughs> it depends on where that character goes in the next scene. Right. So it's just but so, <laughs> it was good. So well it was, done. No, it was a really good shot. Really good. Shot. I found myself smiling and chuckling when that last shot came up. I'm like, yeah, good. Awesome. I like that. That worked. <laughs> so, so tell me other things you liked about the film, Chris. Well, Everything we've talked about so far. I mean, I basically like everything about the film. It'll be interesting to hear your questions because there's one that I don't exactly know how to articulate and it doesn't bother me that much. So I'm going to see if you bring it up. All right. Um, If you don't, I'll try to bring it up. But um, I liked all the things you've talked about. Even the fact that the I control the movements of the monster, Mm -hmm. that's revealed, even though it's told in the trailer, revealed early on in Mm -hmm. the movie and I think that kind of is going to, like you said, like 30 minutes or so. In, and you're like, is this going to ruin the rest of the movie? Because then it's just going to be like, how can we goof on this happening? Yeah. So 
but no. So yeah. I really appreciate that because like kind of subverted my expectation because I thought that Cabaret would go downhill. I thought I knew the plot of the movie to right. some degree. But when the entire plot scene had been played out after 30 or 40 minutes, I'm like, okay, I have no idea what's going on for the next hour. <laughs> so that was interesting. Well, and yeah, the runtime, hour and 49 minutes. I had no, like, I was blown away because usually something like this after the 80 minute mark or after the 90 minute mark, you're like, okay. But no, I was completely on board with it the entire time. Really liked it. Um, don't get me wrong. Have no desire to see a sequel, <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, I just I really liked it. Also, I'll say we I called out my the two actors that I really liked in it. I'll throw in there too that um, Tim Blake Nelson. Mm-hmm. I like him. He's a solid actor. Often has kind of the you know the side parts, and I really enjoyed seeing him again because I yeah. hadn't really seen him since Oh Brother Where Art Thou. <laughs> Yeah, he's um, been in a couple things since then, but, but he he's not had a really um, big meaty role. Right, and it yeah. wasn't, but his role was a very important role and not ever played, but helped bring about some themes. And you mentioned how the end is semi-ambiguous, and there's some other stuff in this movie that had to do with his character and something. I think the more I think about it, that's one of my, could have been a negative, but the more I kind of digest it, I like the fact that there are several things that are left over about how certain characters feel about different characters in the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's left kind of ambiguous. And I like that. Um, you could yeah. say it's a, it's a negative in the writing that they could have, but no, for me, it obviously the movie really worked for me and I like that. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so what are some of the questions that you have? Yeah. And it's not really complaints. Sure. It's more things I'm just still processing. I saw this last night at like 11 o'clock at night. Sure. I did so too, I'm, actually. I'm just kind of letting everybody <laughs> know that I'm. there are some films you see that you, I need a good day or two to kind of just think through my process on it. it. This is a film, the more I think about it, the more I like it. Okay. So it's probably one of those I will end up watching again at some point really soon and probably really adore this film. Right now, though, I'm still wrestling. Okay, so the Jason Sudeikis character. Man. I did yeah. think from an acting perspective, he was really good. Oh, okay. And I, I like Jason Sudeikis. See, I've never felt one way or the other about him. Yeah. He, it was like, you tell me, what do you like really Jason Sudeikis doing? Now I'll be like, oh, I liked him in Colossal. I liked Anne Hathaway in Colossal. So like, here, here's, I guess, where it just, it's, it's having a hard time working for me. Okay. We talked about the shift about halfway through the movie where we did have a character go through a pretty... It really went against what you expected this character to be. Which was awesome. Was I, feel, I feel like there were breadcrumbs of that happening all along. That's my thing. That's what I'm wrestling with. Because here's, here's what I think my brain was doing when I was watching the first half of this movie. Jason Sudeikis. I know Jason Sudeikis. I know his sarcastic, classic tone. I know how he pokes fun at everything. I know how he talks. I know how he does. And he's doing all that same shtick for the yep. first 45 minutes. Yep. When a change happens, I think I saw it as abrupt and it didn't gel for me. I agree that if I go back now with a different frame of reference about his character and I look for those breadcrumbs, I guarantee I will find them. Well, and But I, it did come across, I honestly got to the halfway point when there was this big tonal shift and I thought, wait a minute, like, is this, are they doing this tonal shift? Is this going to go for laughs? Or is this going to go dark? And like, and I didn't know how to process it. And I wasn't, I think it's just, I had such an expectation of Jason Sudeikis and this character that right. where it went, I felt like was too abrupt and did not, was not natural. 
But I also feel like if I were to go back and watch again and look at it from a different frame of reference, I would see the progression better. And I'm probably attributing this way too much to the writer and the director Mm -hmm. and the casting agent. I kind of hope that was on purpose, that they cast him because of that and because of the expectation. Like It couldn't have worked any better if, um, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but the guy who played Jim in The Office, if he was cast in that role. Right. Um, because it's the same type of like he's kind of you know he's handsome and he kind of plays the jokey but has a real clever wit and so like and have an arc for his character like I I, I just wonder someone what we just like and we just think is a very affable person and just always seems to have a good humor sense around them and then they you find out that they're not really that way right and again I I don't I, I gotta be clear I mean this isn't a character change this is a character that had something under the surface mm-hmm. that was doing a pretty good job of not letting that side out in the first half of the film until some actions triggered that side to come out later. So that's another thing I was kind of wrestling with. I really think well, his whole transformation or a evolution through the film, I'm still processing. I can understand that. Okay. And I think that's a good thing. Um, no, it, it is. It I is. think um, what surprised me so much was... Basically, and what makes this film, the fact that um, it plays with conventions, but that it deals with abuse and, abusive relationships and addiction, but in such a interesting way that I haven't seen done before because the original screenplay and how it ends up, um, yeah, and women empower or female empowerment, just amazing because um, I would, I would say that maybe your interpretation of the let's see what's the character's name instead of just Oscar. Calling, okay Oscar yeah which I like that name I wonder if some of how Oscar how we first get to know Oscar is filtered through the fact that Gloria is probably hungover and also Gloria is seeing him as how she wants to see him and that plays into the abusive relationships that she had with the boyfriend that she, she gets kicked out of his apartment and comes back home, you know, a party right. girl. So I, I kind of wonder if some of that, you well, know, and here's but the question know. that even, I'm glad you brought up the, the former boyfriend, Tim played by Dan Stevens, someone who I really like as an actor. And he's in this film and has okay. a supporting role. I'd never, I've recognized his face, but I don't really know him from, well, he's in the movie. The, did you ever see the movie? The guest? Yes. You saw that? that I did. Him. We reviewed it on the yeah, show, I think. That was him. Okay. Doubt Nabby. I don't know if you ever watched uh, Doubt no. Nabby. He was a Doubt Nabby guy. Okay. Um, he, he was really good in the, the guest. Beast and Beauty and the Beast and the Disney, the Didn't live action Didn't see that, but okay. Okay. Cool. But uh, he plays Tim, her boyfriend, early in the film. Okay. As you mentioned, he kicks her out. This happens in the first five oh, yeah. minutes. Not he really kicks her anything. out because she's parties too much and, and drinks too much and all. And, you know, but they, they play the angle of him being abusive. Which later on in the film, you start to see some signs that, yes, emotionally speaking, he's abusive. Well, and I think that's what's interesting. Is I didn't get that from the beginning of the film, though. And that's where it kind of threw me a little bit. It's like now they're painting him, I think, retroactively in a, in a picture that I don't think is fair to play this angle of these two men that she's now well, between. And that's what I admire. There is no easy answer. Right. There are no broad strokes, I feel like, in this movie. It's complicated. Relationships are complicated. These are complicated people. Um, And, you know, 
they're not going to paint a broad stroke and say this is what an abusive relationship no, looks sure. like. And it's, I, I definitely don't look for that. No, I no, I know you don't. But I think I'm the way I, these two characters evolved, I think I'm just having to really. I want to go back and watch it again. Okay, fair I enough. I need to see. I think I had too much of a personal frame of reference on both of those characters in hmm. the first half of the film. So when they changed gears or revealed some more information, it really threw me more than it probably should have. Hmm. So. Okay. Fair enough. That's, that's my wrestling with that. Now, the other item I'm going to bring up, not a dislike, but okay. it is a question. Okay. And I feel like I can ask you this question, Chris, without it being spoilery, because we're not giving away anything in the film necessarily. Well, we also warn people to speed ahead if they really want, didn't want to know anything. And I'd say, Still. This is, I don't see this as a spoilery question. Okay. I see this as, you know, this does not change. Well, it may change the way you view the film one way or another. All right. Skip ahead a couple minutes, everybody. <laughs> We're close to the just, end of this. Yeah, probably. we'll skip ahead. But Chris, let me just ask you a question. Sure. Do you think the monsters were even real? Yes. You do? Yes. Okay. There are there were moments where I was wondering. Nope. Never crossed my mind. Just because you, it because for me, that's what made this movie even so much better. Like, I wish Michelle Gondry could get back on his game and do something like this. Well, because it's reason, it's yeah. saying, This is reality, people. Yeah. This well, is it. This, this is, is happening. The, this is the reason I'm asking. Uh, first off, the poor city of Seoul. No kidding. Which, a, a giant monster comes up at 8.05 every morning, basically almost every morning, and stomps around their space. But yet there's still people all over the streets at 8.05 every morning weeks later. That that kind of reasoning where it's like every time there's all these people on the street there yeah, watching I don't know this what, monster. I don't know how long... For about a week. I don't know, weeks. Maybe, maybe, but still, after the no, first couple of days, and then the monster's showing up at 8.05, and you're like, okay, this monster's here. Well, but very, why in the varying world amounts there? of destruction. Yeah, but why really in the world bad. were there just throngs of people still in their cars and working in the buildings and all over? Well, because it happened later. once 25 years ago and then didn't happen again. No, I'm just saying, but after the first two or three times, because this goes on for several days, we're watching this happen. Even the last scene, again, not going to say how the scene is set up, but we actually see more about Soul later in the film. Well, I, and it's like, it's people everywhere. I all mean, over the it's place. not a monster movie. So if it True. was, you know, people but, would evacuate even in but Godzilla. But you understand why that well. makes me ask the question of, okay, I wonder if even the, the, the visualization of the monsters are more talking about these demons that it's obviously an, are inside It's there. an interesting idea. It's, a, it, it's obviously meant to represent that to some degree. Absolutely. But that was a question I have. And also the fact that there are two other friends in this circle of friends. The Tim four Blake people. Nelson, one of Tim them. Blake Nelson, and then actor I don't know the other actor who plays Joel Austin Stowell. I I thought he was interesting. Maybe a little. If I had to say a weak thing, maybe the characterization of him was maybe a little weak. Well, and he wasn't but, the strongest actor either, so no. I felt like he was a little weaker than the others. My my issue here is that the. the but I think that plays into how he's manipulated. It does. The four of these characters, though, learn something about Gloria Yep. in the first half of the film. She shares this information with them. Right. Um, Oscar takes that information and works with it in one way. Right. The other two characters don't really deal with it again. And that also made me think whether or not the monsters that we were seeing were truly real because here is a piece of information these two characters now have. I I think... Which I think what you're all saying is very fascinating yeah. if that were the case, but it's not. I don't think it's. I don't think there's any way it could be the case. Well, then, then that I see that because as a they're bit watching of a flaw. their iPhone, I they're know, watching their iPhone, and like I think they 
But then that's why I see it as a little bit of a fault because here we're to believe that these two other characters are perfectly fine just sitting around the bar knowing that this these two characters now have this ability and are somehow responsible for all of this that's going on around the world and uh, another part in the world. And they're not really talking about well, it. Tim they're Blake, not really Tim saying Blake, anything Nelson's about it. Nelson's character has his reasons. I think he is abused and manipulated by somebody. Okay. And I think the Joel character is being abused and manipulated by two people. Not a, yeah. not abused, but definitely maybe in one situation and manipulating the other. So I hear, I hear what you're saying. And the mere fact that, yeah, after the very first time, a giant monster comes smashing through your city, I guess after the second time, why wouldn't you just mass abandon the city? I, I get that. Yeah. I get, I, there were just a few I little, see that. I see it, but it doesn't bother story. me because it's a movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so. yeah. It's just there were a few story elements about it, those decisions. The characters choosing not to do anything with the information they've learned and yeah. not freaking out more than they did. And the fact that the whole city of Seoul doesn't seem to be at all phased that every day this happens, but they're not moving away or not evacuating or doing anything. Yeah. All these reasons make me and made me wonder at the end, okay, I wonder if I wonder if the director's trying to intend that maybe these monsters are not visually real like we're seeing. It's in- it's, it's more of we're seeing the inner demons of people well, okay. personified. So you know. it's an interesting supposition. Uh, I don't think that's the case. Okay. But I will say, I don't, and I think, I hope it's not the case, actually, because that would actually make me a little disappointed saying yeah. it's all in their heads or whatever. But um, I will say that I think the reason, which was genius, that's how they're talking about these problems, these inner demons, as mm-hmm, you call them, mm-hmm. of you know abusive relationships, alcohol, is they are then manifesting them as a giant monster smashing yeah. up soul. And that's you know the complications of that, that what you do you may think is only harming yourself, but it, you don't see how it is affecting people oh, around well, you or the entire in this case it happens to be a country halfway across the world you See, know and i think that just so genius so well no genius. and I, I thought and there that's again that's what i thought the whole movie was going to be gotcha. just that when when we see what gloria is, is capable of doing or what her actions are doing in that first 40 minutes i'm like oh yeah i got it i got this so yeah. she is a self-destructive person and now her actions are truly being self-destructive to a whole group of people she's never met before. And it's going to teach her that her actions are actually impacting people she doesn't even realize are being impacted. And she's going to have to learn how to control herself better and all that. I thought I had that movie figured out. Mm-hmm. The fact that it didn't quite go that direction and it expanded to a much deeper issue on things was what I loved about it. Gotcha. And I thought it was great. But um, no, absolutely. It was a great kind of analogy, uh, you know. Yeah, all of a sudden, if you're drunk, stumbling around, thrashing through the house, you know, whatever, that is actually having a very explicit physical effect on a whole population of people. And it's just, it's a cool idea. It's a really cool idea. I'm thankful that they didn't just stop at that idea, that they actually did something a little more interesting with the characters after that. So I like the movie. I like it. I think after a second (laughs) viewing, I may even be up in the love category. Okay. There's a lot of things I really, really admired about the film. It's just I got I to gotta kind of wrestle with some of the transitions of characters and some of the decisions and, and choices they made and how those characters evolved through the film that still hasn't quite sat right with me. Sure. Well, I, I encourage anybody who seeks this out, hopefully you will, because I think it's 
an underappreciated movie for this year. I think people should seek it out. I mean, I think it was in the festivals in 2016, but for all intents and purposes, I'm calling it a 2017 sure. movie. Um, if you like this, go back and check out Time Crimes that he did in 2007. What I'm disappointed at, because after I watched this, I was like, oh, you know, I could barely sleep because I watched it late at night, too, mm-hmm. and I was so excited. I was like, I can't wait. You know, this guy's done two movies that I really like. Open up his filmography. I'm like, I've got to check out everything this guy's done. Well, 2014, he did a kind of horror thriller thing called Open Windows, which got terrible reviews. <laughs> Before that, in 2012, he did the ABCs of Death as a, as a writer, like, you know, kind of schlocky, like horror type stuff. Granted, I haven't seen them. Or oh, I haven't wow. seen either one of these, but maybe, maybe his portions of these movies are better because I think... ABCs of Death is like an anthology. Well, and another um, one called VHS, which is another uh, compilation of see, horror I, shorts. You know, so I just I know I've gone on the bandwagon saying recently independent horror such as It Follows or The Witch, they do a lot of really interesting things. It's not just put there for scare or gore. I haven't seen these, but I'm just like, dude. You know, <laughs> but you know, maybe it was just something he's really interested in. Yeah, I don't know. Do what do what you do. Do what you love. Mm. You know. But um, I hope as he goes forward that I, I'm, I'm still excited to see whatever he does next because he's done two movies that I really like. Um, just personally, I hope he doesn't do the horror route. <laughs> but, uh, I hope he doesn't do the next installment or like a reboot of the Saw, right, <laughs> the Saw yes. franchise. You know? um, but, no, would I, but would I possibly see it anyway? Possibly. I was going to say that may actually be it. the thing that would cause you to see one of those kind of uh, horror films right. if he did it. So. Okay, so that's Colossal. It is out on uh, Amazon, iTunes, anywhere you can rent digital movies now. It's available for a few bucks. And, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm going to say definitely check it out. I, I think it's. I think we need more films like this that are willing to do something really original and creative and innovative. And the fact that I'm wrestling with parts of it is a good thing. I, I, I'd rather do that than walk away from a film not feeling like it was worth my time to watch. So, no, I, I think it was really good. I need to process more. Chris is in love with it oh, yeah. and gives it the highest recommendation. So overall good outcomes on both films, Maudie and Colossal too, that we definitely pe- think people should rec- should check out when they have the chance. Chris, we're going to take a quick break from our reviews and we're going to come back. We've got some movie news items to go through okay. and then we'll end the show with our recommendation of the episode. Stay tuned. You're listening to foot candle films here on the mesh.tv. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. My name's Alan. With me, and has been for the last 30, 40 minutes on the show, is Chris. <laughs> yes. And Chris, we just finished our reviews of Maldi and of Colossal, both of us giving high marks to both films. You definitely have a very, very high opinion of Colossal, and it's <laughs> making me want to go see it again. I may have great. the highest opinion of Colossal. Yeah. I think I'm probably its number one fan. <laughs> uh, I think you need to write Mr. Nacho and let him know how much you love his film. And Nacho! Yeah, that's right. Nacho. You guys, uh, you guys get a little Twitter, Twitter bomb going on or something. It would be great. So what we're going to do now is we're going to move on into our movie news section. Uh, but before we do, just a couple little housekeeping notes and some things to remind you guys about as listeners. First off, thanks for listening. We appreciate yes. having you around. 
Secondly, uh, you're listening to this show on what's called a podcast. So even if you're listening to it on a website or you're listening to it on Stitcher Radio or somewhere else, you're still listening to what we consider a podcast. So it's this idea of a show that you subscribe to. And by subscribing, you get new episodes delivered to you automatically. It's kind of like a DVR for internet, audio, or radio, or video. So what we encourage you to do is if you would like to stay in touch with us and listen to any new episodes we put out, we do recommend that you subscribe to the show. You can do this if you use Apple iTunes. You can find us on the podcast store, and there is a nice big button that says subscribe. I'm sure the same thing happens on uh, Google. The same thing happens on other places where you can subscribe to podcasts. You want to find that subscribe button because what that does is means that every time you open up your podcast app or, or program, it'll be queued up for you, letting you know there's a new episode. You don't have to go find it on your own. Uh, so we do recommend going to the Apple iTunes store and searching for us in the podcast section or any other podcast aggregator that you may use. Uh, please uh, feel free to check us out that way and check out past episodes as well. There's a lot of other content on the mesh.tv as well. We encourage you to take a look and uh, let us know of any thoughts. We'll give you some notes at the end on how you can reach out to us and connect with us. Chris, we have a film festival coming up. Yes. Uh, soon. So, you know, as the time of this recording, we're we're within the 30 day window of, yeah. uh, of prepping for the festival, September 22nd through the 24th here of 2017, taking place in beautiful Hickory, North Carolina. It's our third annual Foot Candle Film Festival. And Chris, we got a full weekend planned. So we everything's going to come together. and We got some good films we're, we're screening and looking forward to showing to people. Uh, a lot of traveling filmmakers are going to be coming here to be with their films and to meet the audience as well. So we recommend that if you are interested in joining us September 22nd through the 24th, you need to visit footcandlefilmfestival.com, footcandlefilmfestival, all one word, .com. From there, you can look at the schedule, you can see how to buy tickets, and you can uh, read about the films and the filmmakers that we have uh, in the festival as well. Chris, I, I'm going to kind of just super hype a couple of things around the festival just for a moment. So... We actually kick off the festival kind of with a, an interesting event on the Thursday evening, which is actually the 21st. We are partnering with the Visiting Writer Series of Lenorine University here in Hickory, where we're bringing in two of our filmmakers, uh, Chip White and Shea Sizemore, who have been uh, submitting and uh, screening several of their short films over the last several years with us. But they're also both involved in feature film development and production. Shay is a writer and director. Uh, Chip is a producer and also has written and acted as well. So really the two of them together very uh, have a production company they work with, produce a lot of independent work and some great, 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 uh, great art. They're coming to the campus of Lenoir University for a uh, just a visiting writer series session about writing for film, writing for TV, writing for short film, and showing some of their work uh, to the audience as well. So that'll actually be a free event Thursday night. Anybody can come to. Don't need a ticket. You can just kind of come and show up for it. Yeah, I believe it was starting at 7, September 7 o'clock on, on Thursday, September 21st. Yeah. Then on the 22nd, the, the full festival starts in, 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 uh, on a regular schedule. We have screenings all through the day Friday. Friday night at 6.30 p.m. is going to be kind of our opening ceremony for the festival. That's when we show a collection of the short films that were submitted and chosen to be uh, presented during the festival. So about two hours of short films. Then we have a nice reception by the, at the Hickory Museum of Art, followed by our 
a night gallery, late night shorts, about another hour and a half of some little more bizarre, a little more grown up short films, you know, not for the kiddies ones. Uh, come stay up late with us until you know 11 or so at night watching some great late night films. Uh, then we move into our Saturday, which is just films all day long from 10 a.m. until 9 p.m. at night. And then on Sunday, we start with a few films throughout the day and we end up at around six o'clock with our closing ceremony. That is our closing ceremony dinner. We also have a guest speaker uh, and we have our awards being presented out to the uh, winners from the festival that we just completed. And who is that guest speaker for the closing awards? Guest speaker is uh, Mr. Josh Larson, who a fellow podcaster uh, along, you know, it's actually uh, the co-host of Film Spotting, a podcast that Chris and I have both been listening to for many, many years. We can say a little bit inspired us to also do a little bit more of our own film reviews and even helps inspire the film society that we started many years ago. So Mr. Larson will be joining us and talking about some of his work and helping promote a book that he just completed called Movies Are Prayers that uh, he'll be talking about a little bit as well. So we're excited to have kind of a meeting of podcast film minds and uh, also to kind of give our our thanks to someone who really helped inspire what we do on this show and with our film society in general. It's going to be a great weekend. I just even just talking about these last couple of minutes, I'm terribly excited now. It's yeah, so it's, it's going, going to be, be here awesome. very very soon. Bookcandlefilmfestival.com. We've got a lot of films to show. We'd love for you to come out and join us. If you're going to be visiting us uh, that weekend and you're coming from out of the area, please drop us a note. Let us know. We'd love to hear from you and know that we've got somebody traveling from outside the uh, the region uh, to come to our film festival. Also, just I'm going to say real quickly, of course, you can buy tickets, individual tickets for movies. But we do have something available just so you know. Um, so you don't feel cheated when you get here and find out about it if you didn't know before. Um, there are two types of passes that you can get. You can get like an all-movie pass, which is exactly what it sounds like. It get, lets you see all the movies except for that opening night thing because it has a reception included because there are some shorts with that. But basically all the features you get to see and all the blocks of features. And then the second pass is an all-access pass, which does get you all the films in addition to that opening night event and the closing night awards ceremony. So you can get individual tickets or there are some pass options because that's we have learned that's pretty popular. So just throwing that in there. Absolutely. And I'll just we're all about teasing this episode. We're all about teasing <laughs> and kind of forecasting what may be coming down the road. One word for our festival that I want people to be teased about. Socks. Ah. That's okay. all I'm gonna say. You like socks? I do. Then come to the festival. <laughs> so we'll see you at the festival. All right, Chris, let's move on to our movie news section. This is where uh, you and I have both kind of combed the internet for the last few days and found a story that we think is interesting or we want to get each other's reaction on or just talk about as something that maybe we're personally very interested in ourselves. Chris, you got a movie news item for us. What do you have for today? I do. 2036, Nexus Dawn, Alan. Okay. Are you excited about that? Is that a Roger Corman production? Is this a an old <laughs> Canon Films uh, film? What is this? Yes. You say, oh, that is a horrible title. Well, okay. Kind of a crazy title. Me, what was it again? Say, say the title again. 2036 Nexus Dawn. So 2036 like the year. Oh, yeah. Nexus Dawn. Is there a colon? Yes. Okay. 2036 colon Nexus Dawn. Yes. Ugh. Sorry, I didn't tell you the All right, well, tell me, tell me what this is. I'm interested well, now. Well, it is a short that takes place to set up Blade Runner 2049. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. And what's even more interesting about it is Luke Scott directed it. 
who is the son of Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott's son. And you may recall, before Alien Covenant, there were was at least one, The Last Supper is the one I'm thinking about, that was directed by Luke Scott that was kind of put out prior to that movie coming out. Not a kind of a teaser, but it doesn't use scenes in the film. It's independent of the film. My understanding with 2036 Nexus Dawn, which of course I have watched, um, is that it's kind of along the same lines. It's marketing and it's a trip, but it's not because nothing from it just gives you ideas kind of setting up without revealing yeah. anything about hmm. Blade Runner 2049. Um, 2039 Nexus Dawn. 2036. 2036. Okay. So I'm glad the, I, I, right. I got to search for important. the right number. There's three years. How long is the short? It is six minutes. Oh, wow. Hmm. And it stars Jared Leto, who is going to be in, obviously, he's sure. featured pretty prominently in the yes. preview for Blade Runner 2049. Um, so I guess I was you know, looking forward to the new Blade Runner movie anyway. We've talked about it on the show, how the director, uh, Denis Villeneuve, who did The Arrival, you're excited that he's the one doing mm-hmm. it. And after watching this little, whatever you want to call it, teaser, but not a teaser trailer, um, it made me even How more excited. Prelude. prelude film. A prelude film. That's yeah. a good, yep, I'll take that. And it's, you know, I'm not sure. I have not watched. Luke Scott made a movie called Morgan that came out like two years oh, ago yeah, or so. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen it, but I got to say. It was with uh, Kate Mara, I believe, was I, in it. Yep, mm-hmm. I believe you're right. And I, I want to go back, and I kind of did last night, go back and watch. He did The Last Supper. He did. Um, that's the Alien prelude. That's the Alien so. movie. He did two of the, and the other one was like something about um, oh, Walter. Well, well, yeah, it was all the Walter-based right, one. Um, so he's he's really good at doing sci-fi and, you know, I, I guess doing preludes for his dad's movies. <laughs> um, I'm really interested to see Morgan, to see when he gets to do, when he got to do a feature, how he did with that. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, Morgan was kind of kind of middle, mediocre reviews. I remember when it came out, didn't do much box office-wise, but I was really interested to see it. Uh, I've always been kind of a fan of the Scott family in general. Like, you know, Tony Scott. Tony Scott. Of course, doing a lot of big films in the 80s, Top mm-hmm. Gun, some others. Um Tragically, not no longer with us, unfortunately. Right. But um, but now interesting to hear his you know Ridley's son is 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 in the directing game as well. So interesting, very interesting. Okay, I saw that pop up on your letterbox. I'm like, what is what this? is that? And I didn't even <laughs> click on it. I'm just like, I'm sure Chris will tell me about it shortly. So well, it like led me down the rabbit hole where then I wanted to watch anything that Luke Scott yeah, had done. Right. So yeah, cool. Uh, so Chris, the U.S. Open is going on right now in New York City. The only reason I'm even vaguely aware of that is because Lynn manuel Miranda is the only person, that's the Hamilton dude, is the only person more obsessed with it than the guy sitting across the table <laughs> from me. That's the yeah. only reason I know that that tennis stuff is going on. It's because I, I follow I him on Twitter. And yeah. Okay. When it's Wimbledon or US Open, I'm pretty much, that's where half my brain is throughout the day. <laughs> I have it, all the apps configured on my phone where I can watch any of the matches wow. at any time. And you I'm, used to play back in high school. I did. Right? Okay. I, I played quite a bit. And uh, so I taught tennis and worked at a tennis club. So yeah, I'm. He's okay. a big tennis kid. Mr. Tennis. So that got me thinking about tennis movies. We don't have very many of those. Come on, Match Point, Wimbledon. I never saw Match Point. Match Point, I did see and liked it. I did never you? saw Wimbledon. But Match Point was the Woody Allen one, right? The Match Point was the Woody Allen one. Then there I was saw the that Wimbledon, one. which was like more of a romance yeah. uh, drama. Not supposedly very good. I never saw that one. But I, did I see guess Match I'm Point. looking for a good 
a really good tennis sports movie. Not a movie that just happens to have people who play tennis in the background. I'm talking like gotcha. I want a really good sports movie that's on tennis. So we have two movies coming out in the same month, September. That One of which I know tennis. about because you've talked to me about yeah, it. I'm going to talk about it again. Okay. But before I do, there's another one you may not be aware of. There's one coming out September 7th called Borg McEnroe. Now, back in the 80s, this was a huge tennis rivalry. We're talking John McEnroe, which I think everybody knows John yep. McEnroe. Even I know who he That's is. That's right. He's the brash, you know, he was really young when he started playing tennis Quite in the, the 80s. Temper. Quite the temper. He got really well known for his temper. And then beyond Borg. I also recognize his name as well. was my favorite player back in the 80s. Really? Really liked Beyond Borg. Just he because is, his name was fun to say? I like the name. I like okay. just his style, his look. And I like the style of play, too. Okay. He's an interesting guy, though. If you ever get a chance, read up on Beyond Borg. He's just an interesting... See, I know nothing about him. He's other had an interesting than life. He's just a very almost polar opposite of a John McEnroe. Really? So the movie is about their rivalry. Who do you think they have playing John McEnroe? Uh, and you won't guess. Andy Samberg. Uh, no, that would have been that would have been interesting. Shia LaBeouf. Shia oh, LaBeouf and John see, McEnroe. I can totally see yep. that. That whole like get into it or whatever, like, where he yelled at the camera about the motivational speaking bit. Just no, do it, do it, just do it. Yeah, kind of spin off of Mikey. Yeah. No, I I think that's genius. And then Stellan Skarsgård plays Beyond Borg, which I know it may be kind of hard to place him, but um, no, I know who it he works. Is. Yeah, 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 yeah. You watch the trailer and it's like, oh yeah, these two. He they, was in an education with uh, Carrie Mulligan, wasn't he? I believe so. Yeah. 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 So this is the story of their 1980s tennis rivalry, uh, and it is a drama. Who's it directed by? Uh, I did not recognize the director. Mm, I know. That's concerning. The trailer looks really good. Okay. But again, I don't know the director. I don't know the writers offhand. It's hard to say. Mm. But I want this to be so good. I really want this Coming to be Coming out good. September 7th. September 7th. Yep. Interesting. Then, September 22nd, this is three weeks later, we have, or two weeks later, Battle of the Sexes. And this is Steve Carell and Emma Stone playing Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. Back in the 70s, 1973, Bobby Riggs was the big kind of flamboyant guy uh, in, the, in the sport. And he made a bet about a man or man playing a woman and that he felt like this could be like the big Battle of the Sexes. He staged this whole thing. It's like a ba- all based on a bet. That he could beat Billie Jean King because she's a woman, right? And he plays it, and he's playing it for laughs. But the but the match actually became something of kind of a big cultural touch point about truly, you know, sex discrimination in sports. Sure. So we have Billie Jean King being played by Emma Stone, Bobby Riggs being played by Steve Carell. This is being labeled seems as a, pretty much genius casting. Yeah, absolutely, and it's being labeled as a biography slash comedy. So they're trying to go a little lighter. Although I don't think it's going to be a, a laugh fest, I think there's going to be some 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 sort of drama in there. Mm. Um, I think it does dip into Billie Jean King's um, sexual orientation at the time, which again, the '70s was not a completely well open right. environment to talk about her being lesbian then. So I think the film's going to be addressing that. And I think you know, again, like the matches, even though the match may have started and got promoted, it's kind of a big joke. A kind of a thing that we're just going to pack a whole bunch of people in and get it broadcast and have a big do about it. The fact that it actually became something of a true discussion point about uh, the equality in sports and how people perceive uh, the different sexes when it comes to sports. I think the movie's got some opportunities to kind of play into that as well. So, two if interesting you, sports If you movies. had told me I would be interested about a tennis movie, I would have said 
you're probably crazy. If yeah. you would have told me I would be interested in two tennis movies coming out in the same month. Crazy, huh? I'd say you're definitely certifiably nuts. But I have to say, both of those sound like they have potential. What worries me is that which one was the one in the works and almost done. And like, if another this another one was like rushed into production so that it would come on the heat. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how that sometimes happens. And I would say, if both movies are awesome, that's great. But I have a feeling that only one of them will survive because it would be like, oh, and you know, the... the Battle of the Sex is coming second. People are like, oh, we've already seen a tennis movie. Or right. like, you know, I feel like either one could really Well, I, I get the impression. Suffer. I think Battle of the Sexes is going to get a wider release just okay. because I've seen more promotion for I it already. I have too. I've heard about it more. Borg, uh, Borg McEnroe, I have not seen anything production mm-hmm. heavy on that at all. Okay. And it actually comes out sooner. So it's coming out like next week, supposedly in limited release. Which could... I think that's probably going to go a lot more limited release and be a much smaller movie. Another reason I think Battle of the Sexes could probably be the one that gets more people's attention. Uh, the director-writer combination is the ones that did Little Miss Sunshine, uh, Ruby Sparks, okay. some other bigger movies. Little Miss Sunshine especially. That right, one was, where's the director of the board uh, versus... Board McEnroe is... Okay. I, I looked at his filmography and there's really nothing else he's done. Gotcha. So. Okay. Um, probably going to get a little more acclaim for the Battle of the Sexes and attention for that movie sure. because of the star power involved. But I'm extremely fascinated to see Borg McEnroe. Are they just showing a preview for that like every time they take a break from the U.S. The US Open? Open? They should be. If they're not, they should be. Okay. Uh, so anyway, I'm excited. Two tennis movies coming out in September, man. Loving it. That's so good. happy. So happy. <laughs> All right. You got a, you got a third uh, news item, I believe? I do. Yeah. Um, Todd Haynes. Mm-hmm. director that you and I are both familiar with. We brought um, one of his movies about Bob Dylan. I'm not here. I'm not we here. brought that mm-hmm. to the society a while ago. Yep. Um, he also made uh, Far From Heaven, and yep. most recently he made Carol. That's the one most people are going to be familiar with. Right, which I really liked. I didn't think I would because I was just like, uh, yeah. just the story didn't really interest me, but I saw it, and I actually, I think I recommended it here on the you show. Did. And yeah, I was blown away by how much yeah, I liked it. It was really good. Well, he's got a new movie coming out. It's coming out October 20th. Um, it's called Wonderstruck. Okay. And I just saw the first preview for it because I was like, what is this? Saw a preview for it. And now I don't want to see anything else about it because <laughs> <laughs> right. I want to. The brief description, thank you, IMDb, is the story of a young boy in the Midwest is told simultaneously with a tale about a young girl in New York City from 50 years ago as they both seek about some mysterious connection. Now, the story is based on a book, and the same guy did the screenplay, Brian Selznick. And he is the one who wrote the book, The Imagination of Hugo Cabaret, which they turned into a movie, Hugo. Mm -hmm. Really liked the book. It was a kid's book. Really liked the book. The movie was just okay, done by uh, Martin Scorsese. Have to say, I think probably a lot of it was the fact that I kind of the story was spoiled for me because I'd read the book, which usually, you know, I do not want to read this book. Mm-hmm. I want to see this movie. Usually, I always want to read the book, get the source material. I don't want to read the book. I want to go into this movie completely open. What's even more exciting to me is it's PG. Oh, wow. For Todd Haynes is doing a PG movie. He's kind of in quotes like, yeah. I did a family movie, which is kind of weird for him to do because he's not the type. That's not no, sure. usually his that's thing. That's not his thing. Um, I'm really excited about it. It's 
Thunderstruck? Cat, uh, wonder, Wonderstruck. That's the ACDC Not, song. That's oh, amazing. See, all along I was thinking it was going to be about the making of the ACDC song. And I thought that was uh, really It's cool. Wonderstruck. <laughs> and Thunderstruck. it's categorized in IMDb as being drama, family, mystery. Hmm. I think it, I just, and visually. When does it come out again? October 20th. Ooh, okay. And Todd Haynes is a very visual director. Like, you know. Yeah story of Carol just like oh this woman in her relationships and then you're like oh, okay that sounds boring but like the visuals in that movie were incredible the cinematography the costuming just you know this movie looks awesome okay early reviews that I've, I've seen too have also been really favorable so just throwing that out there you put that up high on your radar list I've got the shape of water high on my radar list we're gonna have some good films coming up the next few I months think I, think. So. So I think yeah. we do I think we do all right, well, that's our news section. Let's move right into our final section of the show, which is our recommendations. And again, this is where Chris and I have to come up with a film that we feel like is something worth you checking out. Now, I will say I have been more likely to bend the rules on these recommendations <laughs> the last few months for a couple of reasons. We've He's been a doing, rule breaker. We've been doing this show for a really long time. This is true. And every episode we've come up with a recommendation. This is so I've true. I've seen a lot of movies. I can't say I've seen all that many great movies that I would recommend to people. Wow. And the ones I have, I feel like I've already talked about. (laughs) So I'm kind of to a point now where I'm having to be a little creative. (laughs) I don't get to see typically more than like one film a week right now. So, you know, if I'm watching the film that we're going to review for our show, one or two of those, I don't really have time to watch anything else that I can call a recommendation. So I'm either having to dig into my memories to find something that maybe I just don't remember having seen years ago and it came back to me, or I'm having to be a little more creative. Gotcha. So let me go ahead and, if it's okay, I'll do mine. It's a big disclaimer. That's right. So I am not saying that the movie I'm about to recommend is good. Herbie the Love Bug? (laughs) No. That's that's all right. It's all right. Um, I actually think this movie has a lot of problems. The reason I want to bring it up as a recommendation is that I'm curious other people's takes on it because I've read all the reviews. The reviews when they came – this movie came out a few months ago. The reviews were – Oh, this is a recent movie. Oh, yeah. The reviews were not kind. The reviews were scathing. Basically saying that this movie really had a one major flaw issue with the story that made the whole movie just really not good. You're you're not recommending The Mummy again, are you? No, I'm not. Okay. The movie I'm recommending you watch, not recommending because it's a good movie, is the film Passengers. This is the Chris uh, Pratt, yeah, Jennifer uh, Lawrence, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. I watched this. And I, I was it. so interested in seeing that movie because it's science fiction. I like both okay. of your actors, but it worried me that a I'd never heard of the director, and b no. it kind of like two weeks before it was hit theaters, I saw my first trailer for it, and I'm like, what? This is the first I've ever heard of this movie. Where is this coming from? Well, the so, director shouldn't be a, a huge issue because it's Mort, Morton Tildum who did uh, The Imitation Game, which I thought was a really good movie. Oh, okay. Um, that's been his two movies he's okay. done. Okay. So the director, I'm not too, I wasn't too worried about that. I like Chris Pratt. I like Jennifer Lawrence. I like sci-fi. I like the premise. The premise of this is that there's a spacecraft traveling to a distant colony planet transporting thousands of people. So it's basically taking all these people to go and set up a new colony. Mm-hmm. But there's a malfunction, and one of them opens the, the, the sleep pod. They're all in sleep. Cry, what do you Cry call sleep. that? Cry yeah. sleep. Because they've got like a 90-year journey. Gotcha. One person wakes up, like before anybody else. And not going to go into what happens after that. But just say that it is 
interesting. The reason I want people to see this and write me and tell me some thoughts. Here's the questions. This movie got raked over the coals oh, because, I remember. I because remember. the main character, the plot, the whole rest of the story is driven by this main character making a decision that basically transforms him from what you would see as a good person to basically a, a, a creep, a despicable person. But yet we're still supposed to admire this person the rest of the movie for some other reasons. Yeah, I, I, it's tough. I don't want to. I, I don't want to do the whole spoiling thing, but I actually think it's an interesting morality discussion afterwards. Hmm. I actually had a discussion with my ten-year-old son. Wow. My ten-year-old wanted to see this movie really bad when it came out in the movie theaters. Huh. I started seeing the reviews come out, and I'm like, eh, maybe we'll wait for it to come out on, on online. And then when we did, he watched it, and he and I actually had a talk about would we have done what the Chris Pratt character does in this film, and if we did. How would we have felt about it afterwards? And what do we feel like should be the repercussions from it? So even though the movie is severely flawed, the whole last third of the movie just kind of starts to go off the rails a bit. Hmm. The ending is not a terribly pleasing ending. It gets unfortunately a little predictable when it shouldn't be a predictable movie. Hmm. There are some great concepts in the film. The whole concept of the film in general is really fascinating. This idea of somebody waking up and, Here's all these other thousands of people still falling asleep and they're going to be asleep for another 90 years Mm -hmm. and you're here with nothing to do. (laughs) That concept's awesome. And for the first 20 minutes, it's really Chris Pratt just trying to make a life for himself on this spaceship where he has full reign of the whole spaceship, all the amenities. This is like a cruise boat. They've got like a gym. It's got pools. It's got video game systems. It's got all this... It's all him. He's got it. But then you go through all of his ups and downs of loneliness and everything else. That part is really cool. Then something else happens. Then based on the decision he makes. Unfortunately, this movie, I haven't seen it, but it's been ruined for me because of all the bad press. Yeah. The press Um, really did just openly ruin the film. Again, I'm not saying it's a good film. But I think it's a film to talk about. mm -hmm. And I think it's, you know, one of those where I did want to ask people afterwards, all right, so did you really think he was bad for what he did? Because in a way, towards the end, I actually kind of feel like I probably would sympathize with the guy. I kind of could see myself doing something very similar. Hmm. I think a lot of people could with what this guy does. So I am not saying the movie is a good movie, but I am saying I think it's worth watching for the discussion that can come from it. And I also want to explore, do I feel like this film was was maligned? Unfairly. By so many critics coming up and saying that because they did not like this plot twist or this, this, this device in the plot, that they thought the movie was horrible. Because I thought it was okay. My son really liked it. Hmm. You know. So I think it's more of a discussion film recommendation than it is a what's, I'm recommending I'm, it because it's I'm good. curious, what's it rated? It's PG thirteen. It is. Yep. Huh. No, it's it's perfectly fine. There is one one uh a more physical uh, uh, romantic scene that Latin, probably 30 seconds. Hmm. Um, but otherwise it's, it's fine for, you know, kids to watch, but it is a very interesting discussion to have. Hmm. I will just say that. Okay. Well, so I'm, passengers, I'm, 2016 film, uh, oh yeah. Jennifer Lawrence, Chris Pratt. It is on iTunes and available places to rent and watch now. So I am, I'm interested. I was interested in seeing it. Then I lost interest because of all the critical, like downplay of it, but well, please understand there are problems with it. Okay. And it's not a film. You're going to walk away saying that was a really good movie, but I am curious to talk to people about it's it. It's one of those that when it's not on Netflix, 
yet, but whenever it were to pop up, I would probably add it to my queue. So now I may be a little more active in seeking it out because sure. you, you have me interested in it's, it, so. it. It's worth it's worth exploring. I'll okay. say that. Okay. So what have you got for a recommendation for us? So um, kind of one of the films that we didn't discuss in this episode, I did make to see it. Alan hadn't had a chance to see it yet, was Detroit. That's not ah. the movie I'm recommending. That's okay. still in theaters. I mean, I, I would recommend it. I think it's good. Um, I have some problems with the last third, I guess. Um, but Detroit, you know, interesting film, very timely. But I watched this film originally because I was going to pair it with our review of Detroit, which mm-hmm. we didn't end up doing. Right. <laughs> um, and it is the Stanford Prison Experiment. And mm. it is okay. based on something that happened, obviously. Um, but it is, a, it is a dramatic film. It is a narrative film. Um, and it takes place, uh, 24 male students were put into randomly assigned like roles of prisoners and another group was assigned mock prison guards and they held an experiment in like the basement of the Stanford psychology building. Hmm. This did really happen. Wow. Um, apparently. <laughs> no, it did. It, it did. Yeah. Um, the script idea kind of came from a book that was written by the guy who kind of developed the experiment to begin with, who has a crazy name, Philip Zimbardo. I think <laughs> it's another, that's like Nacho Vigilando, mm-hmm. Philip Zimbardo. But anyways, based on, I guess, a book that he wrote about because of what happened during this experiment. Basically, the experiment was supposed to go for two weeks. It lasted six days mm. um, because stuff got out of hand. Wow. Um, the cast is excellent. Billy Crudup stars as Philip Zimbardo in the movie. You see him like putting the experiment yeah. together and monitoring it. Uh, Ty Sheridan is in there um, as one of the, the prisoners. Okay, yeah. Michael Angarano, I can't remember how to say his name. Mm-hmm. He is one of the policemen or one of the, the guards, fake guards. Um, really amazing turn by him. This is obviously, you can kind of tell where it's heavy. This yeah, movie sure. is very heavy. It gives you insights into human nature that you may care not to know about because it's 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 dark, right? Um, but I think it's very interesting to watch, and I think for the most part, I mean, I could read the book, but I think for the most part, it's pretty factual. What I was curious about too is, or what I maybe a slight problem I have with it was, Zimbardo doesn't seem to be as attuned to what is going on or maybe care. And you're like, wow, this guy's kind of a jerk, kind of cool, which at one point I kind of admired about the movie that they Mm -hmm. weren't trying to put him up on a pedestal or they, you know, they weren't, they were painting him just kind of how he was. But then at the end, some of the titles that they put up at the end kind of makes you, I, I, at that point I was like, wait a second. So are they Mm -hmm. saying this guy kind of like, so I wasn't sure about some of the titles they threw up at the end, but, um, the Stanford prison experiment, it's on Netflix. It was a 2015 movie. I think it premiered at Sundance and did really well and then kind of went away. And I can understand, I can understand because this isn't the type of movie that's going to show in multiplexes and draw the crowds because it's, it's tough and not pleasant subject matter. So, um, Stanford prison experiment. Not All for right. everyone, but uh, I thought it was pretty good. Stanford Prison Experiment mm-hmm. and then Passengers. So that's mm-hmm. our two, quote, recommendations. Chris is recommending. Oh, sounds I, like a very good film. Not for everyone. I'm but, yeah. recommending as a discussion topic. And almost like if you're going to have like a movie type book club or you're going <laughs> to, as a group, you're going to watch a movie and then talk about it afterwards. Okay, Passengers, I think, would be an interesting one to talk about okay. uh, from that angle. So. 
that sounds really good. I think we got some good choices for you to check out. Both of them available online now as of the time of you listening to this show. So, Chris, I believe that ends the show for us. Yes. Uh, we did our two reviews, Maudie and Colossal. Mm-hmm. We went through our movie news items, and then we shared our two recommendations. So, I tell you what, if people uh, want to get in touch with us, especially those of you that go out and watch Passengers, <laughs> tell me your thoughts. Tell me if uh, – all I want to know is – uh, would you have done what Mr. Pratt does in the movie? That's all I'm going to ask. I want, I want to start an open discussion on this. There is no judgment. You can tell me exactly how you feel, and I will respond with my thoughts as well. But I do want to hear from you. Chris, if somebody did want to reach out to us, though, how could they go about doing so? To join the Nacho Vigilando Film Club, all you have to do <laughs> is send your email Nacho. to info at footcandled.org, um, and we will... You know, or you can also send it. You can send it to that. That's our film society and film festival. Or if it's more podcast related, which it would be probably if you're listening to this, info at the mesh TV. Send a thing there. Ask us questions about why we felt the way about passengers, like Alan mentioned, or you know how awesome it would be to have a Nacho Vigilando uh, film fan club or whatever. So. That's one way. Also on the mesh.tv, there are other episodes of the show, back episodes, because we have been doing this show for a very long time, as well as episodes of other podcasts that you might be interested in. There's fantasy football podcasts. There's chick chat. That's uh, just girls sitting around talking about stuff that, you know, like TV shows and just kind of, you know, having fun. So different episodes, different shows on there. You might want to check out. All right, then. I guess we'll wrap it up. Don't forget Foot Candle Film Festival, September 22nd through 24th. Uh, FootCandleFilmFestival.com. Get your tickets. We'll see you in a few weeks. And then uh, stay tuned. We'll have a new episode out for you very soon as well. Thanks a lot for listening today. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.